I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your people. We open up our heart to you. And Father, we just say, speak to us. Let the spirit of truth speak to us. And find good ground in our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said amen. You can be seated tonight. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad to be back in the house. Anybody else glad to be back in the house? Anybody encouraged that worship? Amen. How many believe God does the impossible? Anybody ever experienced God doing the impossible? I have, I have so many stories of God just intervening and doing things that it, it just, just, it was just amazing how he did it. I could spend in two, three hours just telling you story after story after story. And we don't have that time, but I know for a fact that he is real and that he does the impossible. Amen, somebody? All right. Well, I want to get into uh, what we picked up last week. How many was in the house last week? Really, really, really important stuff as it related to the spirit. Talked about the nature of the Holy Spirit last night. Or excuse me, last week. And um, if you did not get that, you can go online at verticalencounter.church. Get that. Uh, the media team does a great job with uploading all that. It's really, really, really clear, really good audio, very professional. Just go to the church, hit the resource or the media uh, button there, and you can go and you can hear it all for free. So you can't beat that. So amen. Just catch up on that. But we're going to pick up tonight either way. So everybody say the spirit life. Go to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start right in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 3. Last week, I dealt with a lot of things as it relates to the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to piggyback for a second and try to catch you up. I'm not going to be too long here tonight, but check this out. This is going to be something that will bless you. Amen? Peter, how many was here last week when I talked about Peter was given the keys to the kingdom? Why, though? Why? Huh? Why was he given the keys to the kingdom? Because Jesus asked him a question. The question was what? Who do men say that I am? Then what, then what happened? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turned and said to him, he said, flesh and blood. In other words, your human instinct did not reveal this to you. But what revealed this to you? The spirit man, the person that is deeper within. Amen, somebody. The spirit man, deeper within. Revealed this to you. Jesus was acknowledging that Peter was now in in contact intimately with the Holy Spirit. And he said the Spirit revealed this to you. That thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the next paragraph, Jesus starts talking about now it's important I go to the cross because I got to die. How many know we would not be redeemed had he not went to the cross? Peter says, no, 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 Lord. No, 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 no. I forbid it. I forbid you to go to the cross. Why? Because Peter did not want to see not only his Lord and Savior, but a friend at that point go through that type of suffering. His flesh man started to kick in. Just a paragraph ago, the man was in the spirit, and it just took a very few short sentences for him to flip to the flesh. That's how quick we can be in the mind of God. It only takes a couple words for us to translate back into the flesh all right and so jesus says get behind me satan he calls peter satan at this point but i want to bring out a point that i think is very relevant as it relates to the spirit walk watch this peter says thou art the christ son of the living god then he says watch this i've given you the keys to the kingdom the keys to the kingdom is important in other words i'm giving you insight into what the kingdom looks like that was a big question in the first century what is the kingdom what does it mean what does it look like to the jews at the time who was hostile because they was in persecution uh rome had come in they had just got out of persecution with persia before that was babylon you know it goes on and on and on uh throughout their history jews was persecuted over and over and over and over and over was slaves to different empires over and over at this particular time jesus shows up they're slaves to rome what happens is they're looking for the kingdom to manifest but you have to understand their interpretation of the scripture was wrong they thought that the messiah was going to come christos the christ was going to come and erect an army to physically fight back and get their freedom Yes, this is how it was perceived according to scripture. They was waiting for somebody. Has anybody ever seen Braveheart? They was waiting for a William Wallace type to come and to fight back to gain their rights back. Jesus comes. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. But his message is completely different. 
His message is, no, 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 love your neighbor, forgive those. You live by the sword, you die by it. You, you know, an eye for an eye leaves us all blind. Come on now, we all fall into the ditch. This is his central message. Why? If anybody knows what fixes humanity, God does. He knew that if I and you hate each other to the point to where we are paying evil with evil, repaying evil with evil, it just creates an endless cycle of hate. You may be the boss of me in one generation, but eventually it will flip and I'll be the boss of you. And then eventually it will flip and your kids will be the boss of my kids. And it will generationally just go on and on and on and on and on. There will never be any resolve unless somebody is mature enough in the spirit to stop repaying evil with evil and start doing what Christ said. That's the only way to do it. That's why Martin Luther King Jr. was so phenomenal in his messages because it was a Christ hermeneutic. He was just regurgitating what Christ taught. It wasn't his own message. Amen, somebody. When you're a minister of the gospel, you ain't allowed to preach your own message. All you're doing is echoing the things that eternity has already said. Jesus didn't raise us up so we could have our own message. He raised us up to preach the message that's already been preached. That's the gospel. That's the good news for all men, okay? And this is who he is. So in other words, they was looking, what does the kingdom mean? And the kingdom that Jesus taught was offensive to people who wanted revenge. You're telling me I can't swing back? I'm telling you if you do, this is the result. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by it. Revenge is always, it's always, What's the word I'm looking for? It's, it seems to be to the person who's not been at war, revenge seems to be attractive. Until you've actually been in war and you see what it produces. Usually the person who's actually been in the fight in the depth of war, in the depth of fighting, the depth of bloodshed, the depth of hate, they're the ones that say, listen, this ain't the way. It's time to give up. And let him do what he's wanting to do. Because how much is enough when you start losing things that you love? Everybody has this idea of I want to fight back until it's your grandkids suffering. Until it's your family and loved ones suffering. How much is enough? Eventually somebody's going to have to take the stand and say we're dying anyways. Might as well die for the cause so that the kingdom can manifest. Amen. That's the gospel. That's why the world can't understand Christ, because we want our rights. The first thing that happens when we come into the kingdom is our rights have to die. Jesus didn't talk about it. He went to the cross and did it. An innocent man died a brutal death. Amen. All right. So let's let's get. Into, why does that have to do with the spirit? Because Peter was just given the keys to the kingdom. Then he said, watch this, pay attention to this, it's really important you get this. He says, the keys to the kingdom, and then he says, the gates of hell. He said, upon you I'll build this church. He says, the gates of hell won't prevail. Where do you think the gates of hell is? The gates of hell is your mind. How do I get to hell in your thinking? If you're worried about fire, keep thinking what you're thinking, your thoughts will burn. Come on now. The gates of hell is your mind. He said it won't prevail. Why, why, why am I saying that? Because what give him the power to know that he was the Christ? A renewed mind. That proves what is good, perfect, and acceptable. Romans 12, 2. All right? So this is important. Everybody say spirit life. All right. We're going to get into this tonight, man. I'm telling you. Oh boy, put your seatbelt on. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read 1 through 3. Let's read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God... I need you to get that by grace. That's a grace message right there, that God created something that was formless and void. Just because you don't have form, image, or shape, just because you don't look like nothing doesn't mean you aren't nothing. You can't always judge, come on now, what God's doing in you by what you're reflecting. 
your new creation because he called you new creation. He doesn't <laughs> listen. God doesn't just speak a thing over you because you reflect a thing. Are you hearing me? Some of us are formless right now. But we're still creation. <laughs> All right. Come on. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. Mm. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Isn't that something? He said, let there be light. You know what the Jewish rabbis believed? Ancient uh, rabbinical teachings believed when God said, let there be light. was almost as if light was already previously created, but had not yet manifested. I'm letting it be. In other words, it's almost like, come here, come here, just real quick. It's almost like God's trying to get a blessing to you that the blessing can't get to you. And then God says, let it be. And then the barrier moves. It moves out the way. That's how they viewed this. Let there be light. It wasn't like I'm creating light. No, no, no. It was already in God. And God, when God said, let it be, it was there because anything that comes from God is eternal. Man, come on. You have to think tonight. It's eternal. It's not something. God didn't create something that never was. It was already there. He just put it in our view. That's why he didn't say, I'm creating that. Rather, he said, let it be. In other words, come into this dimension. I want other people to see what I've always been. You with me? So watch this, though. This is really huge. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the right there. Spirit of God was moving moving over the surface of the waters. This is really, really, really deep stuff. I could get theological here, but I'm going to try to just keep it simple. The spirit of God was moving. The other translation here, the word raskah, that's how you say it. I, I, I broke my jaw trying to learn it earlier. <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself. Well, I was actually going through trying to learn this word. This word actually is in in the uh, excuse me in the King James. It will say the Spirit of God hovered. The NSAB translates it as moving, which this is one time in NSAB that is actually a bad translation that that I don't care for. Because the word there, hovering, actually means shaken or a shaking. That the Spirit of God was shaking the deep. Let you think for a second. That God was literally shaking what was formless. And he was doing it in deep places. Are you hearing this? In other words, before God ever said, let there be light, before he ever created what we call light, he grabbed earth. This is how we get what we see today. There was a shaking. The spirit was shaking stuff up. This is very important. I want you to write this down because we're talking about the spirit. All right. There is always a shaking before creation. Before God does a new thing in you, God will shake you. Are you hearing this? Never forget that. When things feel like you are just, what is happening? Quit blaming the devil and start submitting to God. Huh? Come on now. Submit to God. I don't know what it looks like. It could look crazy. I mean, life gets crazy. Can anybody say amen? How many can say, man, life is unpredictable. No matter how much you prepare, there's certain things you cannot prepare for. It's unpredictable. Life gets crazy. There is shakings that happen in our life before God creates a new thing. Come on now. I don't know why he chose to do it that way, but he does it that way. Number two, I want you to understand another point that seems simple, but it carries depth of truth. Notice that in the creation account, the Holy Spirit was involved. That when God is creating, he does not do it separate from the Holy Spirit. So if you're not submitted to the Holy Spirit, there's nothing new coming in your season. So quit following preachers that's prophesying new seasons when you're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. 
It, listen, that's why I don't do corporate prophetic words, because if I could say God is prophesying blessing right now over this house, that's just not true. It's not true. Why? Because you may be in position for it, but you aren't. It depends on what you're yielding to in that season. It depends on what you've submitted to. It depends on where your disciplines are. Before that word ever is effective in your life, God may be willing to bless you, but until you endure seasons of shaking. And what does shaking look like? Sometimes God will shake up your priorities. You got things at the top of the list that should be at the bottom of the list. Come on now, that's a shaking. He's grabbing you and he's shaking you. He wants to make sure that you understand the things that are priority has to be first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. He has to be the priority. If he's not the priority, God doesn't, he's not interested in just being your Santa Claus to give you everything that you think you need. Come on somebody. This okay? Everybody say there's a shaking before creation. Go to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Let's read. Watch this. Let's read. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. What? And they were... <laughs> Come on now. No wonder we don't want a prayer life. The result of it is shaken. That's why we don't like to pray, because we don't like to go through seasons that we're shaking. We don't like to be stirred up. We don't like to see things from the God angle. We don't like to have to admit that our way was wrong, that our wisdom was falling short. Come on, somebody. We don't like to face our fears. I don't know about you, but, man, I'm telling you, I'm in a season where I have to see Gail Brandon in a different light. And I'm not really sure that I like seeing me in this light. I'm not really sure. You know, I'm craving. I'm not craving sugar in this season. I'm craving distractions. I'm craving, I'm craving things that can get my mind off of the process. I, I, in all honesty, I haven't prayed it yet, but in my heart, I'm praying, God, can't you just make me better without me knowing it? Can't you do it in my sleep? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Can't you just do it when I'm sleeping? I, I, I like surgery when they knock you out and you wake up and the problem's done. But God said, no, 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 I don't do surgery like that. Come on now, you the one talking about being a woke generation. We gonna do this while you're awake. I need you to see everything that I'm taking out and putting back in. I need you to understand how much, how much I love you. I don't want you to forget the process because then you'll abandon the promise. <laughs> come on, say, come on, Holy Spirit. Woo, look at that. And when they prayed, the place was whew, shaken. And look at the next part. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. If you can endure the season of shaking. If you can endure the seasons of shaking. The result is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us don't have enough room for him to pour himself fully into us. Because we got all kinds of other stuff taking up space in our hearts. and our minds. God's trying to get some of that out so he can start pouring himself in. Amen? John 4. Let's get into the story here. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. That preached next baptismal. That's all you guys. Y'all catch it? Nope, no one caught that. Jesus didn't baptize himself. Disciples did. So, Pastor Tim, get ready. Everybody else, you guys are going to do the dunking. I ain't got to get in that cold water, amen. I can just say amen, hallelujah. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Man, the way my mind works, I'm sorry I can't really get through a sentence without God 
showing me something. But isn't it funny that Jesus was weary from his journey about the scripture before it said he had to go this way? He was weary from his journey. But it just said that he went through Samaria. Why? Because he had to. Sometimes God will use weariness to stop you at the right destination. There's no other way to slow you down. (laughs) Sometimes he'll wear you out just so you take a breather in the right spot. Only there you notice what he's trying to get to you. Uh, Continue. It's not on the notes. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Let me give you some background on Samaritan people. They was half breeds. They was a mix between different cultures, different ethnicities. Samaritans wasn't fully anything. Uh, Really, nobody's fully anything, to be honest with you. Uh, But in their mind, they are. (laughs) They was Jews, and these people wasn't fully Jews because they would would mix in with other cultures and ethnicities, and so they had all kinds of different things going on in in that, you know, population of people. And so it was really known to the Jews to not really mix with these type of people. Why? Because they, first of all, they didn't always worship the same gods. They would worship in different places. In other words, they would worship on the mountain, which she's getting ready to say uh, to Jesus. And then the Jews would worship in Jerusalem because they felt that Jerusalem, the physical place, Jerusalem was the place in which you're supposed to worship. Right. And so these Samaritan, these uh, Samaritan people was considered toxic to the Jewish culture, especially in the first century. And so here's Jesus, a Jew, not only a Jew, but a very popular Jew, a rabbi. This man, even though some did not accept him as the Messiah at the time, they were still very respectful of him. He attracted crowds wherever he went. Thousands of people would follow this man and and people would be healed. They, they, They could hate on him all they want, but they could not deny that he was doing miraculous stuff. Uh, Okay. And so what happened was. Uh, What happened was, here's Jesus, a Jew now, and watch what happens. He's dealing with a woman. Now, this woman's got a lot of history, y'all. Dealing with a woman in Samaria. First of all, I want you to write this down. Jews do not go to Samaria. Write that down. Jesus is in a place some Jews and most Jews would not even go. All right? So watch this. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give. Now, let me open up your prophetic senses here. All right. I want you to see something because anything that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. It's yours at that point. If you hear me, you have permission to forget it. But if you can see it, you have permission to retain it. I want you to see it tonight, okay? So really open up your heart. See this with your spirit, not just your not just your your eye, your physical eyes here tonight. Watch what happens in John 4. This is really important to see this. She says, You have no nothing to draw this water with. I want you to notice what well it was. What was this well called? Come on. Jacob's well. Who was Jacob? What does his name mean? Deceiver. 
What did God change his name to? Israel. How come it's not Israel's wealth? Why are they still calling it Jacob's well? They're, they're associating it with the side of Jacob that was not renewed. And here she is, drinking from a well of deception. Where Jesus decides to show up. Are you catching this picture? Jesus knew what he was doing, y'all. He didn't random. That's why he said, I had to go this way. Jesus already lived this experience before he's actually walking it out. He already knew what he was getting into, which is why he sent his crazy disciples to go get food. The man wasn't even hungry. We're going to read that in a second. He sent them to get food. Sometimes ministry can only happen in isolated situations. And so Jesus sends them, and he, here's a Jew, a man. Why I say a man? Because you got to remember, not only was the Jews not dealing with these people, but especially, especially women in that day. Especially women in that day. We're talking about a day that was literally um, so, so divided as it, as, as it relates to women and women's uh, right and what they could do. I mean, man, it was crazy back in the day, man. They, they, women could not even teach. They was not even permitted to teach. Which is crazy that Jesus decided to come to this town where he's not supposed to be a man and then starts teaching a woman about the kingdom. Why would he teach her about the kingdom if he didn't want her to teach? (laughs) He's revealing things about the kingdom his own disciples don't even know yet. He's making Peter guess who the men said I am. (laughs) And then he's just openly telling her. If you knew who I was, notice he made Peter tap into the spirit to see who he was, but he's just about to flat out tell her I'm him. (laughs) What is it about this woman that Jesus would go way out of his way because this is way out of the way of the, he's going from the south to the north. He's trying to get to Jerusalem and he's literally taking a major detour and it's not because of the scenic view. He's there simply because there's somebody there that he needs to deal with. Jesus will go out of the way. He will leave the 99 and go get the one. Come on, somebody. He will leave the 99 and go get the one. Come on now. And here we go. Watch this story, man. This gets so good. So much meat in this. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all this way here to draw. Notice this comment now. Now, some of us will overlook what's really happening here. She said, sir, he said, I'll give you just come here. You're going to be the Samaritan. Here she is, and you, you got to act this out. So. I'm a good actor. You're a good actor? Okay, great. She's doing backflips. I can't do that. Oh, so I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I just switched it up on you. You said you was a good actor. I'm just messing. When you said that, I had to put you on there. Okay, so here she is. I want you to picture this. Come here. You're going to be Jesus. All right. <laughs> you probably are Jesus, to be honest. So, so, and next time you feel led to pray for me and cry, hug me. I, guys, I got a broke rib I'm sporting right now. He decides to hug me on my broke. It was everything in me to say, oh, God, I'm getting through this. I love this man. Get him off my rib in Jesus' name. Thank you. Love you, man. It's all right. Just have discernment. The left side is where God wants you. And so long story short, Jesus approaches her. Now, notice what she just said. Read the last statement. He said to her, if you would know who I am, you would ask me. 
I'd give you everlasting. You'd flow up into everlasting life. Watch, watch what she says. Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. It seems selfish, doesn't it? Like, man, give me this because this is a long, I don't want to keep having to come up here. She ain't understanding what he's saying, first of all. But why, why though? Why? Because you need to understand who she is. Jesus is about to tell her something. She's getting ready to say, give me this everlasting life. I want to drink of this everlasting water. You think Jesus would say, okay, here, take a sip. Instead, in order for her to get this, he says, go get your husband. In other words, if you want something everlasting, if you want me to do something that I'm talking about in you, I need you to go get your husband. Why would he say that? Because Jesus knew she didn't have a husband. Then it goes on in the story, and she says, I don't have a husband, sir. And he says, I know, you've had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. And she says, I perceive you. Now she's starting to see. I perceive you to be a prophet. Now watch what happens. This is what's significant about this. This woman is probably caught off guard, first of all, that a Jew was even at the well at this time. Why? Because the Bible says she went to draw water in the sixth hour. That is noon in the Hebrew calendar. Why is that important? Because nobody in Israel would draw water at noon. It's It's in the heat of the day. They would only draw water early in the morning or in the evening when the sun goes down. Why would she go at noon? Because she's trying to avoid the shame of her past. Why? Because the well was the meeting place. That's where everybody would come and the crowd would come at the same time. And they would sit there and they would see each other and they would communicate. It was also a place to where people would find their brides to be. Notice that when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Abraham, I wrote that down because I was amazed at this myself. I knew three of them, but I didn't know the fourth one. Uh, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Abraham all found their wife at the well. All of them. They was just at the well getting something to drink and, dang, what's up, girl? (laughs) And then there was at the well. This was a place of communion, a place of meeting. This was the hangout for the Jews. Going to the well, what you doing Friday? I'm going to be at the well. What time are you going to be there? Six. Right, right? Notice she came... During an hour where nobody would be there. Why? She's trying to avoid the shame. She thought it's safe to go at noon because nobody else would be there to make fun of me, to ridicule me, to talk about my my failed marriages, to talk about what I'm doing, the guy I'm messing with now that's not my husband. She said, I just don't want to deal with all of that. So I'm going to go get what I need at a time where nobody else would take that journey. I will. Nobody wants to be there during the heat because it's hot, it's 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 sweaty, it's nasty. But I, I'm willing to take the challenge of all of that just so I can avoid the shame of what I'm dealing with. And Jesus decides to show up at the same time, and he grabs this. Young woman that he's not supposed to be talking to because she's a woman. And then number two, he's a Jew. And then number three, she has a history. She has shame. She has defeat. She has all this past, all this bondage, all of this stuff that's going on with her. She's not respected by people. She's not, she's not honored by people. Can you imagine how it must have felt to be this woman? She's there to get why She needs water to survive. So she has to go, but she picks a time to where it's going to be less humiliation when she does it. Thinking that the coast is clear. If I go at 12, I'm good. I finally got this down. I can go through my pain in life, and I can go through my frustrations, and I, I can continue in the ways that I'm doing because I figured it out. I can still get what I need at 12 and avoid all of the other nonsense. And Jesus... He shows up at 12. Could have got there in the morning and got a drink, but didn't want to. He waited, and he was wise in sending his disciples away. 
Because sometimes, sometimes God will give you grace for a person your followers don't have. Jesus was a professional at removing condemnation. Even though he had disciples, it didn't mean they always had his heart. Usually it's the people that God redeemed last night that don't show any grace in the morning. Judgmental people also also struggle with amnesia. They forget what they struggle with. And Jesus removes all that and he shows up by himself, Chantel, and he says to this woman, watch this, let's continue to read the story, watch. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Mm. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that there's times where Jesus' disciples would follow him and he would try to give them a key to the kingdom or speak to them in parables. And then he'd send them out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And they'd come back and they'd say, we tried, but we failed. Jesus, and he would go, How long do I got to be with y'all? Like, man, I'm trying to get to the cross. I want to get this thing over with. How long do I got to be with you? I need you to get these lessons so that you can go out and do what I'm doing. But notice that he has this extreme patience with her. She's still not getting it. Woman, this dude just told you about all your husbands, all your mess, everything. You literally said, I perceive you to be a prophet. And then then she's like, well, there's also this guy Christ coming. And he's going to tell us all things. He just did. He just told you all things like, do you, 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 you know, get it. You're standing in front of him. He has to plainly come out and say, I'm the dude you're talking about. I'm what you're waiting for. See, what we're waiting for can be in front of us, but it doesn't mean that we see it. It can be right in front of you. You can literally be talking with the answer. You can literally be, literally, the answer can be right in front of you. It's available to you, but you got to see it first. That's how the kingdom works. You don't have permission to operate in anything you do not see. That's why a lot of preachers, I'm telling you, they they preach their sermon. You don't know how many preachers I get that call me and say, what you preaching this week, doc? I hate that word, doc. I'm not Bugs Bunny. Quit calling me doc. What you preaching, doc? I'm like, why? Have you not prayed this week? They're too afraid to listen to Bishop Jakes because 15 other people in their congregation listen to Jakes and they know if they preach it, they're going to be. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Regurgitate. Because <laughs> they don't have a real relationship with the Lord. They're looking for a hot sermon that they can download so they don't have to actually spend time with God. Right? I don't mind polling, but when you're polling, quote the person you're quoting. It shows humility. Right? All you Facebookers. When you put up your nice post, if it wasn't your original thought, quote the person that you stole it from. Ouch. Okay. So here's the thing. So in John 4, we see Jesus reaching to her, going out of his way to get to a woman full of shame. He says to her, you've had five. The one you're with now, 
That's six. What's amazing is Jesus is the seventh man. He's the true husband. That, what did I tell you? What, where did husbands go to find their wives? At a well. The beautiful thing about a well is that you have to go deep to get to drink. Come on, somebody. That's why she said you have nothing to draw. Jesus is getting ready to to introduce to her her true husband, the seventh man. This is so this is so needed for us to get. I want you to get the picture of Jesus. He's the guy that goes out of his way to get to you. He's the guy that will show up with grace and wisdom and passion and all these things. And he removes the condemnation. He gives you a spring of life that flows up into you everlasting. I want you to last scripture. Go to John 16 just real quick. We're going to go to verse 12. Verse 15. Is this okay tonight? I have many more. I just want to say this before you read though. I always do it to Pastor Tim. I had to get you, Candace. Check this out. Everybody say this. Drinking from living waters starts with embracing truth. Okay, there's, there's the, that's, that's the deal tonight. That's the point that I want to get to you. We're dealing with the spirit life. Why are some of us spiritual and others carnal? Because we don't embrace truth. Why do some of us, I'm telling you, what gets you in a problem is you're too thirsty thirsty for the wrong things. You hearing what I'm saying to you? The spirit life, it's not just coming down to the altar and saying, oh, it's not the spirit life. It's, I don't know what that is. It's not the spirit life. Because you can speak in tongues and do all the things that we do in Pentecost if you want to call it Pentecost, and if you still can't forgive your brother, you're not spiritual. You just, you just yab. Yeah, you might as well say yabba dabba do. Yabba dabba do. Because you're not spiritual. That's not spirituality. If it doesn't translate into loving people, if it doesn't translate into how you treat people, how you forgive people, how you care about people, how you self-examine yourself, come on somebody. Then, then, then you're not really spiritual. I don't care what you do. I don't care how loud you worship. I don't care if you worship on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You're not spiritual. He says there's coming a time, there's an hour that people will worship me in spirit and in truth. He didn't say spirit and in truth as if they're separate from one another. Spirit and truth are a package deal. The spirit literally is truth. Are you hearing this? The Spirit is truth. So when the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, He's dealing with you from truth. The real you. That's why we don't like to really let the Holy Spirit do the work He wants to do. Because He's going to show you and you and you and you where you are messing up. And He'll take you back to the very point, the very day, the very relationship, the very person, the very fear, the very initial thing that got you off on the detour that you're on. He said, I want you, to, I want a drink, I want to be everlasting, I want this, I never want to thirst again. He, he said, go get your husband. You want it, here's the process to get it. If you want it, here's what you got to do. Go get your husband. I'm, we're going to start from the very first problem. <laughs> she thought she was smooth. I don't got a husband. No, no, but you had five. You had five. You had five. You probably said you didn't have a husband when you was married to them jokers. That's what got you into the other situations. Jesus knows it all. He knows it all. This is why in the book of Acts, listen to this, man. Hear you. Hear me, guys. Hear me on this. In the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, they literally fell down dead. Why? Because Scripture says they lied to the Spirit. They lied to the Spirit, and they literally fell down dead. The Holy Spirit's nothing to play with. It's one thing to lie to me. It's another thing to purposely know that God knows everything and you're still trying to lie to him. We 
We, I, I told Shawnee um, today, um, hear me on this, man. Please hear me. I know Shawnee and I, we try to stay down to earth and just be as cool as we can, as approachable as we can. Um, and we'll always remain that. But in all seriousness, you need to hear me. There is a move of God coming. I am watching culture right now. And I am watching culture and I'm watching the agenda of this nation. And it's shifting. It's being set up. It's not the enemy. The enemy always has this mindset that he thinks he's winning. It's being set up for the greatest move of God this nation's ever seen ever seen and there is a line being drawn in the sand and those that are for Christ will make the right decision but those who are trying to flirt with other things I'm telling you man there is a line being drawn in the sand and there is, you're either going to be radical for the kingdom or you're going to be over here on this lukewarm thing you might as well just go all the way to the world because I'm telling you you, you have to make the decision you have to make the decision and listen You'll know that you're radically following God when persecution follows. If there is no persecution in your life, then there's also no standard. Your presence should be uncomfortable to people that are wishy-washy. It doesn't mean you have to preach and yell at them and say they're wrong. It just means your lack of participation will offend them. You know, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what I know. It's coming. I sense a real move of God. The heavens are shaken. The Bible literally says that in the last days, listen to what I'm saying here, that not only were the earth shake, but God said, I will also shake the heavens. I will also shake the heavens. There is literally a shaking that's coming in the body of Christ. You're going to have to take a stand. And I'm not, listen, I love all of you, but I, I'm not confident that all of you are going to be the one on the right side of this. Some of us love church culture more than we love God. I'm teaching tonight. That's what makes us different. Why do you think? And I'm glad for the people here that we have. Our church is doing well. I'm thankful for all of your support and all that things. But listen, I'm telling you, if I was to preach a gospel and I was to just preach fluffy stuff and not give you spirit-led stuff, we would have thousands but thousands are, the masses are never attracted to truth. They're attracted to miracles. Never truth. No, when Jesus started talking about the cross, where, where was all the 5,000 that was following him? When he was passing out free loaves and free meals and healing this and doing that, they was all over him. When he started talking about, you got to drink my blood, come on, eat my flesh, go to the cross, he went to the cross. When he, his greatest assignment he had to do by himself. The crowds don't follow you to your real assignment. Come on now. The things that matter most, you're going to see people start thinning out. Influences start thinning out. Jokers ain't built to, to, to go through what is necessary. It takes a spirit-led person to say, I'm embracing the cross. I'm going to do what God told me to do. No matter what. No matter. I'm at a place in my life right now, I told my wife, I'm willing to lose it all. That even means the church. If what God has for me, what God has for your freedom has to mean more than your ministry. Your freedom has to mean more than anything. When God is doing something in you, that has to be everything. And you got to be willing to sacrifice it all for the things of the kingdom. Anything that you need, you are slave to. And the only thing I want to be slave to is the kingdom. Because I do need them. God promotes our ministry and God does miraculous things that I want it to be from the right motive. Amen. I love Bishop Jakes. He, to me, is the greatest preacher that's ever lived. And um, Bishop Jakes says something. I was watching him this morning. He was being interviewed by Stephen Furtick. And he said, man, I never wanted this. I was just a country boy in West Virginia. I never wanted the masses. He said, I didn't know I was special until I got out of West Virginia. He said, I never wanted this. I never asked for it. And that was the very reason why God gave it to me. I never wanted it. And I can honestly say I'm not there. I wanted it. But I'm getting to a point to where I don't now. 
I don't know if he was telling the truth or not about it all, but I, I can tell you the truth about where I'm at. There was a season in my life I was mad because the masses wasn't coming. I would see friends of mine that what, couldn't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. And, and, and I was like, why is the church growing? It's because it's because people are attracted to surface. They want the benefits without the sacrifice. I would rather have a church that's growing in the spirit than growing in numbers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, and so, so I had, God had to break me of that to where now it's like, man, listen, if you're here, you're here. I praise God. I want you to grow in the spirit. But the first things are first now. Got to follow God and what he's desiring for our hearts. Can you say amen? God grows his church at the rate that we grow. So it's really important. So last scripture, and I'm going to let you go, I promise. John 16, watch this. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. Anybody ever been into a season where God's silent? Maybe it's not so much that he doesn't have things to say. It's just you can't bear them. Maybe the length of his conversation is determined on the weight that we can bear. If you're not prepared to pay the sacrifice that comes from what he's saying, maybe that stops him from speaking. I'm just saying what he said. Jesus, come on. He's saying, I got more things to tell you, but you can't bear them. What I say is heavy. What I say needs responsible people. God don't waste his words. I got more to tell you, but you can't bear them up. So you want to break a season of silence. Maybe you need to prepare yourself to sacrifice. Amen. Does this hit you like it hits me when I'm reading this stuff? Like, (laughs) okay, continue. Let's watch this last part. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Okay, so here's what's happened. Here's the spirit. We're talking about spirit life. Here's what it is in closing. The spirit life. What is one of the purposes of the Spirit? He's trying to get you to first and foremost understand what Christ is doing in your life. All right? He says that I, there's more I want to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But here's his, here's his antidote to it. Here's how he remedies it. He says the Spirit's coming, and it's the Spirit of truth. It's the Spirit of truth. See, we, we live in a culture where they say, my truth. You don't have a truth. You have a true, but not a truth. There's only one truth, and it doesn't bow to culture. Truth is a person. Amen, somebody. He says this, he says truth. He says he'll come and he'll guide you into it. In other words, I'm going to position you to bear what I can say. There's no other way we learn. Are y'all catching this tonight? There's no other way that you learn the heart of God. It's it's seasons. I got it. It's seasons that happen. That posture us to receive what God is trying to get to us. I don't know if you know this about yourself, but sometimes you can be hard-headed. And you won't learn what God is trying to get to you unless you're in a season to where it makes you sensitive to the heart of God. The Spirit postures us. He guides us into truth. And so tonight I want to I encourage you. Open yourself up to the Spirit of truth. Like never before. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and prepare you to bear the responsibility that comes with the words of Christ. He's not just giving you random sentences that you can just remember. These are, when He speaks, you got to remember, He creates In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
When God speaks, he creates. When Christ speaks, he's creating reality in you. When you are reading scripture, it's not just sentences. It creates hunger. It creates desire. It creates appetite. It it gives you truth. Truth that you would have never had before. Pilate stood before, Jesus stood before, man, who was standing before who really? Was Jesus standing before Pilate or was Pilate standing before Jesus? I never looked at it that way until I just said it that way. Who was standing before who? Because it seemed like the conversation switched. Pilate's the one asking all the questions at this point. He's, Jesus is the prisoner. They're getting ready to be crucified. Pilate says, what is truth? In other words, something about Jesus, this prisoner. He said, man, I need to know what truth is. You got my wife having dreams and I'm scared to crucify you. I'm sending you back to Herod. What is truth? What is it about you? What is it? I don't know what it is. Pilate was a Roman guy, so philosophy was huge to the Greeks. It was that's where it comes from, is philosophy and, and psychology and all of this stuff with the mind that was big in the Greek world. And he said, What is truth? What is truth? Truth isn't just what we deem as facts. Some of us think science is truth. Notice they still call it a theory. Because they cannot prove it without a reason of a doubt. Truth is what he says. I'm not talking about what scripture says. I'm talking about truth. He postures you for it. It's deeper than just reading sentences off a page. What is, where is your truth right now? What is the truth about you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because he's trying to guide you to truth. Truth may be your wounded. Truth may be you you're, you're in desperate need of freedom. And everything about the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to the freedom right now. And everything in your flesh is fighting from that. Well, what is truth saying? Truth is trying to get you there. Truth is that Jesus went out of his way to meet a woman at the well that kept was stuck in a routine of shame and pain. And Jesus went and she encountered truth. But she could only do it going back to go get a husband. To go back and revisit the pain of her yesterday. Jesus said, I'm a, truth is going to work from this point. I'm going to show you where the lies are from here. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? The spirit of truth, the spirit life, is, um, it's, it's not just reading sentences off a page that was written. That we call the Bible. It's deeper than that. It's realities that God is, that is he's imprinting on your heart. That you know without a shadow of a doubt, this is the heart of God. That only comes through an experience with the Holy Spirit. That's what he calls everlasting life. Won't you stand with me tonight? I just want you to bow your heads. Father, thank you. what I want to leave you with tonight. Pastor, what does this mean to me in my journey? Here's what it means. Trust the Holy Spirit in the process. I don't know what it is that's blocking you. It could be something as 
you need it could be something as small as discipline it could be something as small as discipline that's blocking you from the real freedom that God wants you to obtain it could be something as small as courage follow the leading of the Holy Spirit I can promise you you know it's the Spirit because it's going to take him to do it Take him and his courage and his strength to do it. All right? Make decisions that come from him. And that's that's how things change. You've got to revisit some things that are blocking you. All right? It's really, really important to do that. You could come to an altar tonight and I could pray with you. And that would be encouraging and hopeful. But the reality is your breakthrough is in your journey. It's in your process tonight. And so you're going to have to do what you want. Here's the other thing tonight that I want to pray for. Every married couple, step out in the aisle and just grab the hand of your spouse. Every married couple in here, step out in the aisle and grab the hand of your spouse.